Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. Okay. Uh, we're, we're close to close to March. Um, I, uh, I more or less shaved my beard off in solidarity with Emily's dog who got a very, very short haircut on Monday, um, just in time for apparently it to drop back down into the thirties in the next couple days. So real stoked about that. That's why Um, they make dog clothes. So that will support late stage capitalism. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you know, except for the the part that you know, the part where I have uh, work that I have to go to, you know, a, a unexpected dip back down into the, you know, into the thirty thirty degree range would be kind of prime time to uh, stay inside and and maybe watch some, you know watch some movies or some some shows on on netflix uh but uh, max I, I don't know if you can even get any enjoyment out of that anymore because apparently the whole like the core concept is sending you into you know an existential tizzy well that's a bit extreme <laughs> <laughs> i i can certainly get enjoyment out of watching things on netflix um, it just felt to me, it feels to me, and I will try to put this into words, but it feels to me sometimes when you're looking at Netflix that this 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 endless scroll that you get in your news app or on TikTok or on Instagram is now just in Netflix. There, there's endless content. It's this endless stream of, of content. And a lot of the stuff on Netflix, I don't even view as like, oh, that's a fun TV show I want to watch. It's like, oh, here's some content that the internet is obsessed with in the moment. Um... And it just makes me maybe conflicted about how much value I get out of it, each individual piece of content. I think back to, oh, I really enjoyed watching this movie or this TV show, like Breaking Bad. It was so good. And now it's like you just watch the swin- Tindler swindler, and then you watch the next thing. <laughs> it's just, it's it's very, you know, it's this TikTok culture of like, in the moment, and then it's gone. Um, and I feel like the quality, I, I don't want to say that the quality of all of this stuff is is lacking, but I'd say the overall quality or maybe artistic merit and i'm not i'm not one to judge artistic merit of television shows it just i have a hunch that the overall quality in that is maybe lower than it was when there was less content but sean you could put that into words better than me well is that maybe i am having an existential crisis i go on you know oh i'll watch a movie on netflix oh never mind there's unlimited movies there's an ai generated movie yeah max you've you've kind of you you've kind of uh, and Kevin if you'll if you'll allow me you've kind of done the Kevin approach to food or the previous Kevin approach to food which is like what's the point it's just fuel like you know it's just it's just there like I'll have whatever as long as it like hits these components it fills how far minutes. off are we from from AI generated sitcoms like <laughs> I don't know like <laughs> I mean, oh you plug in your interests and we'll make a show for you are you sure that's not what we have now. <laughs> It's right. Well, to your close. point, like there's more Netflix content than you're consuming. You're only you're getting the AI generated suggestions, and you're hearing from your friends who are 
your friends because you're similar to them. So it's like you're not even seeing everything that's on Netflix. For sure. I don't mean AI suggestions. I mean actual AI-generated oh, sure. television shows that are all CGI. Oh, God. Ten years, tops. <laughs> so, yeah, so so this, this sort of uh, reminded me that a couple days ago I listened to a uh, <clears throat> an episode of the NPR podcast Pop Culture Happy Hour, and I, I'm remembering now, I, I brought this up before we started recording, but I, I didn't have it in my recall that it was actually like a rebroadcast episode about the first season because they've released a second season on Netflix, but they're not, you know, they're not going to do a whole new podcast about the new season. Um, and one of the things that they talked about, you know, on, on this pod was that, you know, this is sort of, uh, an avatar for, the way that Netflix has changed over the last few years uh, because Netflix isn't a movie company. Netflix's competition is not going to the movie theater or going to, you know, Videodrome or, uh, you know, or, or even like going to Redbox if that's still a thing that you do, um, their competition is everything. And the way to fight everything is by having something for everyone. And so Netflix has taken this position of power and, you know, and, you know, financial prosperity and has used it to just absolutely flood the zone with you know uh, it's almost like ai generated content because there's there's a a netflix series for every possible permutation of interest and not only is there one there are 20 of them you know because the goal of all of these services and it's not just netflix it's Hulu, it's Spotify uh, essentially uh, making a public statement that it doesn't give a shit about music and it's all about podcasts now. Like all of these things are designed around one word, engagement. Which which is why actually I love you went there because I, I would make an argument too that Netflix would actually rather you – scrolling through the endless streams of content picking something than actually streaming something by a lot because it's both cheaper for them you're more engaged if you're going through their stuff and you're becoming more aware of their content but, I, but I would part think of par, part of the engagement and and i i see your point they they want you to be on their service trying to pick something as opposed to saying, I'm going to go to another service and pick something. But I think they have to assume that you are going to pick something. And what is causing people to pick things there is, we've kind of talked about it before, we've moved away from appointment viewing. Other than live sports, there's not a lot, maybe reality TV, but you can just watch that the next day on your streaming I, service. I appreciate Disney Plus trying to 
bring it back for some shows and, and hbo and, as well they do weeklies releases they they tr- they try but like that's kind of the last one succession yeah. sort of does it game of thrones did it and i feel like that 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 we will view that as a as a retirement point um what you have now and assuming you pick netflix or hulu or whomever wants you to pick their show and so instead of appointment viewing, I feel like we have these fleeting culture windows, these these moments of they build up the hype. All, not only uh, are you, not only is Netflix talking about it, but there is some grassroots or maybe it's an astroturfing type of thing, depending on how you want to look at it, with with like everybody is watching Tiger King or what was it, Bird Box, the, the Sandra Bullock movie. Um things like that but but i will say that that with that and and we'll get into this where you kind of lose some of the value of it um i have not watched the the netflix live action adaptation of cowboy bebop um i've watched a couple of of the original anime it was very cool um but i know that that got a lot of publicity and i think some people enjoyed it but it was not renewed for a second season. You would think typically with things that generate a lot of buzz, you and it's scripted, you renew for a second season. But they're not, and I think part of that has to do with they they got what they wanted out of the engagement in filling that that culture window of like, all right, everybody's talking about it. They made the choice here and not one on Hulu or Apple TV or whatever. Do, I, I have a question. Is there some amount of the the revenue picture i'm missing like to me netflix doesn't necessarily care in any individual like in a vacuum netflix doesn't care if you want pick them or hulu netflix cares that they get you to renew your subscription every month well netflix is still talking about uh new users and projecting out new users every month which i think is fascinating because at some point like the market is completely saturated. Well, I, I mean, what I say is like I know not everyone can afford to have both Netflix and Hulu, and not everyone's going to choose to have both. But ultimately, Netflix only cares if you have them. You're subscribed to them, and they get your money. I, the reason I don't think that's true, I, I, I don't think that's a complete picture because, like, in terms of the the direct subscription revenue they generate from you, like, yeah, of course, it doesn't. It doesn't matter, and there's a, an aspect to which Max was right, you know, 10 minutes ago when he said what they really want is for you to pay every they're, – they're a gym. They want you to pay every month and never use any of the facilities. But, like, they also are presumably doing these uh, – you know, they're doing these content deals. They're constantly seeking investment, and, you know, they want to go be able to tout – the bonkers number of hours spent on people watching Netflix programming. So like, it's not, even if it's not like direct firsthand revenue generation, it absolutely is like second and third order revenue streams to them. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I would also imagine that when they come out with a show, like when a show gets as much buzz as Tiger King, people are going to go out of their way to figure out how to watch it if they don't already have Netflix. So that having those viral popular if you want to call them that having these this appointment must watch tv shows and having more of them is is definitely a a driver of of traffic which i think would also probably be a driver of 
potentially new signups, which is still how they're gauging success, which they shouldn't be, but they are. Yeah, it's it, like it raises this question of like there clearly is some sort of tipping point where like on the one hand they get some level of value out of just the initial, you know, excitement and buzz around something like Cowboy Bebop, like Tiger King, like Murderville. And, but, you know, some of those things get dumped quickly and then some of those things catch a little bit of fire and they turn into Ozark and Stranger Things where Netflix is like doing the split season release thing. So they get to capitalize on the buzz of season four of Stranger Things twice. Like, yeah, like, you know, to them, when it's better to not. They would rather people take two months to watch a season of Stranger Things than to binge it in one night, right? I know, again, the binging would be... It, it, it ends up creating the virality of it, but... It's a, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know. I think, it, I think it's another balancing thing. Like, clearly, what they're playing for in that is that at some point you will run out of... Uh, you know, you'll run out of the Stranger Things and say, well, shit, I don't want to stop watching altogether let me go find something else to watch and so like i don't know i i don't really know if that if you get more of that you know with a week-to-week episode release where somebody's like oh i gotta wait until next friday for the next love is blind which is like it's funny love is blind has been on a weekly release um or if it's we dumped you know the full 17th rebooted season of arrested development and you watched it all you know in one night because you hate yourself and now you've got to find something new because it's over and you don't have any more of it i don't know i don't know which one drives more engagement but i do know that you know the people on netflix's business team have a pretty good idea of it yeah i think it's Oh, go ahead, Kevin. Well, I'm wondering if, you know, kind of to the original point is like, is all of the, the content because they just know they need, they need some, they need some things to go viral and they, it's impossible to predict which things actually will. So they just make a quadrillion things. Absolutely. No doubt and, about it. And, and part of it is that I realize with, with these shows, with this model of show, um, for for the last couple of years, people haven't necessarily been watching TV with large groups of people. But even before that, um, these were made; these types of shows were be made were made to be watched separately and spur discussion. But but they were watched separately, and I think that that is something that that they want too. Is they want to create a product that is so um, intriguing, even if it's for hollow reasons like Funyuns. Um, that that you are going to consume it and then talk about it and you're you're consuming it separately so each of us have a netflix account and we watch something and then we talk about it be it in this this circumstance or like we text each other or we're sharing i don't know uh tagging tweets about it I, I i don't know but like that is really what they want they want you to watch it separately but they also do want you to watch it at a similar speed so that you're part of that discussion and I think that they want that discussion to burn hot um, and and briefly. Um, and the hotter it burns, the the more interesting it is to them. Whereas, like, 
you know, over time, people being like, oh, you know, what we do in the shadows is a good TV show and it comes out weekly. And like, they're not, you're not growing a, a good or intriguing episode of what we do in the shadows is not going to get the fire to burn as hot as like the tin, the tender swindler or whatever. Like that is made to be discussed in, you know, the, the Google chart of it is supposed to jump so, so high and it's supposed to last a week. That's what it is designed for. I mean, well, we'll, we'll get to that in a moment, but, yeah, but, but like, that's kind of feel there. But that stuff, you know, that stuff just like doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't really, it, it's like it just so doesn't lend itself well to uh, like a good, I was almost about to say user experience, but like that's not that's not the point. A good viewing experience. Like when I think about the things that uh, that have grabbed me the most in the last few years, I, the shows that come to mind are all things that have come out on a weekly basis. It's succession it's uh the righteous gemstones which is phenomenal phenomenal stuff it's what we do in the shadows i really love what we do in the shadows um so like i i don't know i just so here's here's the thing so it's competing purposes the original programming for netflix is is fairly ephemeral um what i would say is they used to be something where it was they they took other content and they they put it together um and they packaged it for you they can't really do that anymore because everybody has their own thing that's fine we know that um so instead they have to create their original content but instead of stuff that you will go back to which is what their old model kind of was you go back to things you're familiar with now it is all about building things that that are their own and you will watch them as they they come out i mean i know that the marvel deal is weird but things like daredevil and and some of the jessica jones and shows like that they stopped renewing them and i think people people enjoyed those and would go back to them i thought about watching them but they are of an ephemeral model is what i'd say so uh, an important part of that is not i i don't think you can comfortably say netflix stopped renewing those deals I I assume oh, that what I, happened well, they the, took is that over Disney, who owns Marvel, said, "Yeah, we're not. We're building our own streaming platform. We're not licensing this shit out to one of our biggest competitors anymore." So, like that's that's a, another big reason why all of this is happening is that the wave of licensing deals that happened in the last you know decade, like those have been expiring, and everyone has kind of seen how Netflix exploded and said, oh, wait, no, it's really important for me to own my own content and for for my place to be the only place that you can get my content. Like, we've talked about this before. Like, we, you know, this is something we've talked about going back to, like, you know, double-digit episodes of this podcast. Like, you know, we talked about cord cutting in, like, the first 20 episodes, I believe. Um so, you know, it's just like it they really they are competing purposes. These uh these these services all their their incentive is to 
you know, to provide you just like not one micron more of what is in your interest than is absolutely necessary to satisfy their interest. I think we're at a point too, and and Max, I've been thinking about this is is I try to understand your struggle. And I feel like where we are with things with with Netflix is is if if you went to like a Tex Mex restaurant and you had heard about this restaurant because everybody was taking pictures of the tacos and they were like fish tacos that had, you know, drizzles of sauces and like really, you know, lettuce looked immaculate and, and it was, you know, some seasonal fish or something like that. And you go and while you're waiting for the tacos, they bring over chips and salsa and they're like, they're really good chips and salsa. Very, very good. Um, but like, you're not going to take any pictures of chips and salsa. And they're also free. Like the chips and salsa is free. And then you get to the the tacos and they're beautiful. Like they have that portion, right? But then they're not very good. It's cold or it's just, it, it doesn't taste very good for whatever reason. And I feel like that's kind of how I feel like Netflix, which is things like Mud and Roma and some of these, um, Oscar bait movies the last couple years they're throwaways like yeah they spend money on them power of the dog I need to watch but like they're spending money on them but that's not their business model they want you to take pictures and talk about you know tinder swindler which probably took them nothing to make and they put it out there and they got all this discussion that's their main product that's what keeps people there Mud and Roma are interesting to people like Sean and I who thinks what we need to do in the shadows is is good. And and we're getting that for free, basically. Yeah. I, I mean, those things, I'm sure that they see those things as loss leaders where, you know, Roma, Power of the Dog, like these things are not revenue drivers for them. They're prestige drivers, you know, uh, in the same way that oh the Irishman sorry oh, I forgot to mention Christ. that right <laughs> I was a really seven hour hoping, long movie it's <laughs> really hoping we'd never have to talk about that again um, don't look up don't look up oh. you son of a bitch um but like the you know these things it's like uh Sweetwater so the the music instrument sales company Sweetwater who I used to do marketing for way back when like they ship guitar strings free from Fort Wayne, Indiana, all over the country. And that is a insane business proposition for them. That is dumb as hell if you are only evaluating it on a direct what does this do for our bottom line perspective. But it's a thing that garners you loyalty in another way so that if you spend three years buying your guitar strings from them, one day you might buy a $2,000 guitar. And like, I think there's a a similar thing here, which is that, you know, uh, Power of the Dog is a play to get Pierce in the door because that's the thing, like Love is Blind appeals to Emily's interest but it doesn't appeal to Pierce's interest. And like that's that's the type of thing that helps get the Pierce of the world in the Netflix door. I don't know. I don't think that's is – that, is that crazy? I think that's what's probably going on. Yeah. You know, I mean, that plus, sort of implies plus it gets that... them awards. Yeah. 
It suggests some of their content is of higher quality, which I'm sure oh, some of it is. Yeah. Um, but I think you... there's still lots and lots of content. I, I don't know if in the future that that quality content goes away in favor. Well, they of... also probably they get people that you know that want that, but then the people do get the suggested, and they still like they can't help it. They want to check out their suggested things, and even if they wouldn't. Yeah. normally you know sink themselves to the other content a lot of people probably end up <laughs> watching tiger king you know? we've we've yeah. said what is what has probably become my least favorite word in the english language so many times in the last 60 seconds that i feel like we do need to address it you know this is like this is a this netflix thing is just one example of a wider societal happening where there's just like there's so much shit getting created or produced or whatever verb you want to call it and put out into the world that like everything is getting flattened out into this one big amorphous slime called content and i hate it i hate fucking content i want to watch movies so, I want to watch a TV show. I mean, but the yeah, best way to get all your IP out there is to have multiple content uh, streams. Right. So that's, there's some synergy amongst your intended media want audience. to throw this coffee in your face. <laughs> no, Sean, I'm, I'm glad you said that because that's what it, it's what it feels like. And even shows like I watched Squid Game. I enjoyed it. I thought it was interesting and unique. But it, then it fades away. I'm not going to remember it. I don't have fond memories of like, ah, I liked that TV show. It doesn't feel like that. It feels like it was just another thing that happened. Like, yeah, it was the pandemic, and I watched Squid Game along with everyone else, and it was weird, and then I forgot about it. Like, I didn't look for deeper meaning totally. like some of these past shows. And I, I think, honestly, maybe Netflix is a little on their own here, because I, I do think their shows, like, as much as it is just kind of money bait, like, the Star Wars shows that Disney is putting out, they're putting a lot of effort into making them, I think, genuinely good shows. Like, Mandalorian is good. And I don't feel the way I feel about those other shows that I do. And maybe it's just because I love Star Wars, but, like, I don't know. if It feels like Netflix and TikTok are the same thing, just on a bigger screen. Have you talked to anyone about uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier? No, I don't know. What is that? It's another It's another one of those Disney shows that I don't oh, think Oh, like was, a Marvel show? Yes. I don't think it was nearly mm. quite as well-received. Yeah. So you're saying maybe I just picked one of the best ones because I happened to like Star Wars and got lucky? I think well, so. Well, I mean, I've heard the Boba Fett show. I've heard mixed reviews on that one. I haven't watched it yet because I was waiting until it all came out so I could <clears throat> binge it. But <laughs> but the, but this point that you're the point that Netflix is becoming more like TikTok is like I, I think is is pretty. Uh, you're you're certainly in the ballpark, Pierce. You used the word ephemeral earlier, and that's what all of these things are. They're not like they're moments. That's what I'm not going to watch Squid Game now because I feel like I missed the moment. I missed right. the culture window. Yeah, yeah, totally. Which is weird. Uh, and and like I got in, you know, I wound up getting in a, a a weird like Instagram DM argument with this girl that I knew when I was in high school, uh, maybe like a month or two ago, because some I like I. I like secondhand shared something that someone else had shared already. And it was about like, you know, I, I think that it was like hyperbolic terms. Maybe it was like the, the 
call, we call art content now, and it's the worst thing that's ever happened to art. And, like, that's probably not really true. Um, but, like, I, I – something about it clicked with me that day. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I would like to extend the reach of this a little bit. And, and so this person that, you know, that I haven't seen in person in comfortably at least, like, six years uh, got a little bit upset with me because she is a content creator. Because that is, like, because that's a job title now. Like, that is a, a title and a job function in 2022. And... We were like we were sort of going back and forth about it, and what she does is she like she makes videos, you know, and and they're the kind of videos that ultimately like their primary home is going to be social media, and so on a certain level, like if anything is content, like that is it, but at the same time, you know, this is someone who went to art school, this is someone who is trained, is like professionally trained as an artist and I, I we kind of I realized after the fact that part of the reason we were like having this back and forth is because she didn't quite get I, I'm sure it's because I wasn't communicating it well enough that like no I I want what you do to be recognized as art I don't want your job and what you do, what you have devoted your life to, to be flattened into this big amorphous blob with 7,000 other, you know, 99% the same but just a little bit different roles that all get lumped into being content creators. Like, I want painters to be called painters. I want people who make sculptures to be called sculptures like those people aren't content creators and it just it's one of those things that gets me so revved up well as as we often say uh words matter and if and if unfortunately folks are are too lazy to discern the difference between a blogger and an essayist and a novelist and a poet like I'm I'm sorry for those people. I I can differentiate them, but you know, if if you if you need that kind of external validation and you're not getting it, I I, I am I am sorry. Um I think that, you know, I will try to be optimistic and say that I will I will call someone's work w- what it is and like if you are creating content for for um you know, social media that, or, or for Netflix, that isn't what feels like your true calling. That's okay. There's a difference between vocation and avocation. I, I get that. And, and I'm not like despair with the kind of come back to the ultimate thing here. I'm not disparaging Netflix for, for following this model. They still produce things that I like. I just, you know, I engage with what I want engagement because ultimately it's about my entertainment and enjoyment. And, and their model is for the, really pretty tacos that that maybe max doesn't care for and i don't care for but some people get a lot of enjoyment by just taking the picture of them yeah and I, like i think we're probably we're the suckers here because you know i think clearly at least to a certain extent you know the broader world has decided actually yeah we don't need to distinguish between these things and i don't know 
I don't know how much of this is like a chicken and egg situation. Like how much, you know, the way that society was moving drove this or whether it was a thing that was kind of engineered by the Netflixes and the metas and all of the, all of the content companies. But like, you know, clearly this is a thing that is not reversing itself. It's not, it's not going to stop. We're not going to stop it. So I guess you might as well find something you like on Netflix, right? Yeah. And listen to our podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe not on Spotify. Or just more of ours. Just more yes. of ours is fine. <laughs> go, go binge our podcast. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I don't, I don't know if any part of that made me feel good. Uh, but I usually feel a little better after hearing uh, an apology. So let's, let's move on to Pierce's sorry. So I have, I have, uh, I took a note uh, yesterday evening and I put uh, Chekhov's John Deere and uh, I am rewatching Mad Men right now. And so any of you that have watched uh, Mad Men may know what I'm referring to. So long. Uh, Well, listen, I haven't, I haven't watched it in a very long time and I am not, and I have not talked about it even in this much you go, if you go back and watch it, you, you you will you will feel sad because you'll be like, "Wow, I watch all all this Netflix stuff we're discussing. It's so empty and and hollow." Um, and I you know want to go feel terrible. But anyways, there's there's an episode in which a a John Deere tractor makes a very um, uh, horrifying experience uh, or entrance, and it causes an experience. I knew this because I've watched it before. The person I was watching it with did not know this. So as the scene is approaching, I get up and leave the room and go as far away as I can in the the place where I live um, to do like to fold socks or something. And I can somewhat hear it in the background. And so I come back in after I know that that moment is over. And and everybody was okay with watching that, but I do feel a bit bit of guilt. And it's it's a question, but also a a a you know there's the apology there. I should have indicated more that in, in a disturbing scene was going to come. And I think I just I just don't really know what what my obligation is if you've and this is maybe a topic for a different time. What your obligation is if you have watched something before. And the other person has not, and there may be something that is worth noting or or worth um, closing your eyes for. Like, am I obligated to tell them? Because no one was there the first time I did it, but I I think I could have been more helpful here, given the um, horrificness of the John Deere experience. <laughs> yeah, that fixed it. I feel a lot better now. <laughs> Chekhov's John Deere. <laughs> Do you think? Do we think that Don Draper would be like a big Netflix guy? Because I mean, he read Atlas Shrugged in like a week because he didn't have anything else to do. So uh, you you never see him read it. I I think he I don't I don't think he read it. You don't think he read it? I don't think he read it. I don't think he read it either. Uh, Don Draper would be. I mean, you know, setting aside the part where he'd be. What would he be? A he'd be like eighty. He'd be eighty-five or ninety now. Mm-hmm. Like setting, even setting that aside, he one million percent would be one of those. We don't make anything in this country anymore, people. Watching the Big Ten Network, we make content. Oh, we do. We do make content. <sighs> what's the what's the what's the um big big content in pop culture? 
this week. God damn it. Um, well, uh, so speaking of of reading, uh, I am reading a book uh, that came out maybe in 2019 uh, called Uncanny Valley. And it is a memoir by this woman named Anna Wiener who uh, was working in publishing in New York. Yes, I, I said Wiener, children. <laughs> uh, she was Hilarious. working in publishing in New York, and then she left her job at a literary agency to join the world of the startups. First at... Uh, an e-reader subscription service startup uh, that was based in New York. And then she actually took the full-blown startup plunge and, and moved to San Francisco to go work at a data analytics company. And I, I can't really, I can't speak to conclusions because I'm only like halfway through the book. But the thing that I really love about it is that uh, there's much discussion of various and sundry companies in New York and Silicon Valley and elsewhere, and none of them are ever named. They're all described. So there's uh, the search engine giant. There's the social network that everyone hates, et cetera, et cetera. Bing, Google Plus. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Exactly. Uh and just like it's, it's one of those things where it's as you read it, it's kind of like a fun inside joke because like you know you can you can parse most of those things out pretty well. Uh, data data analytics company is not super descriptive necessarily, but you know you know when you're reading about Google or Facebook, um, or uh, the the ride sharing company. Or the ride-sharing competitor that put the fuzzy pink mustaches on the cars, um, you know. So like, you can you can kind of play along, uh, but but there's also this element of really driving the point home that all of these things are like interchangeable, you know, interchangeable parts of our lives that at least at one point could have been ephemeral even if they are deeply rooted now oh the online superstore you know stuff like that so i've been enjoying it um as a person <laughs> deeply skeptical of startup culture and most things that happen in san francisco i suppose uh and i don't know maybe you'll like it too so uh, un uncanny valley by anna wiener yeah i said it again hot dog um oh god uh so it's called a frankfurter perfect love it so uh we we had a, a good experiment last week uh so i want to keep it going we're gonna do a rolling stone rock trivia question to close the show uh but as we did last week uh i want you guys to to take your pick uh we've got an elvis question we have a question about uh the bands the cars and talking heads Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go talking heads. Okay. Yeah, it's not gonna help my track record of getting the well. It will continue <laughs> to help my track record of getting the questions wrong, but it's the question I want. All right. Uh, here it is. What did the Cars and Talking Heads have in common? 
Is it A, at least half their members graduated from RISD, the Rhode Island School of Design? B, album covers designed by Andy Warhol? C, frontmen who are six foot four? Or D, uh, some of their uh, some of their members were former members of the band The Modern Lovers. I'll, I'll go A. I'm going to say D. I'm going to say C was the height one, right? Correct. Okay, I'm going to go C. All right. Look at you, Max. You got it right. Both yeah. of those bands, I, I did not do enough research to be able to tell you who from each band was in the modern lovers but uh i have it on on good authority from what was once a respected voice in music journalism uh that both the cars and talking heads at one point featured modern lovers alumni so uh big big moves for you uh moving up the leaderboard from third place into third place i was pretty sure david byrne was not six foot four He's, I thought he was tall, but maybe he's not. I think uh, that any answer was that it was just that big David suit. Byrne was going to be wrong. <laughs> um, Max, how close are, how uh, close is your family to Natick, Massachusetts? Oh, Natick was close, close to where I was. Yeah. Okay, well that's why you knew it because that's where modern lovers are from. It's just baked uh-huh. into your life. <laughs> yeah, it's just Massachusetts knowledge. Love it. Uh, okay. That is the end of the show. You can find us at our home on the web at www.prettyokpod.com or you can subscribe to the show feed on your podcast app of choice. If you do that, tell a friend about the show. We'd love to share it with them as well. We'll be back next week to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Max. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Bye.